Frank's Red Hot is the perfect blend of flavor and heat. So you can use an entire bottle to make recipes like buffalo chicken dip or buffalo nachos. Or even things that don't start with buffalo. Frank's Red Hot. I put that shit on everything. Hey, Craig. Hey Jeff, welcome to our 150th episode spectacular. Woo party! We got this, we got so many special things planned for this. So many special things. This is podcast versus everyone, episode 150. I'm Craig Powers. With me for the 150th fucking time is Jeff Newser. <laughs> How many yeah, hours like, is that? I, it's, a, it's a lot of hours man it's a lot of it's a lot of hours uh i you know i'm sure we said this like at episode 100 or episode 50 or whatever but um we definitely did not think this was going to last that long or at least i didn't like i was just no, like on a whim no i'm way. like hey we should podcast and you were like not okay. many podcasts like, do cool <laughs> you know it's, but if there's one thing you and i have going for us is we are stubborn as hell and don't know when to quit so here we are here we are, episode 150. Um, you know, just to lay out some of the special things we have today, uh, Jeff and I are going to talk about WSU sports. Oh! Um, you know, sports such as How basketball, exciting. football, oh. volleyball. I mean, wow. holy cow. Uh, I know this so is much all very special. special, special territory for you guys. Um, but we just, you just want, we wanted to pull out all the stops, you know, we're, we're going to have a beer segment, you know, it's, it's just crazy. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's wild stuff. We wild, sat around for hours on our car ride to and yeah. from Pullman this weekend, dreaming up ways to make this 150th episode special, you know, yeah. and, uh, boy, boy, have we got, we got a show for you guys. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so so buckle up. Uh, you know, hopefully, if you're in the car, you already buckled up. You know, yeah, be safe. I hope so be safe. I, I don't want so. you know. Um, if you're if you're afraid of getting trapped in there, just carry a carry a nice pair of scissors in your in your center console, and and then and then I'll that'll that'll uh, take care of any of that. Um, but buckle up, uh, because we man, oh man, Jeff. We are going to talk about the WSU basketball teams, starting Whoa. with the men. Oof. I know, yeah. special stuff. Uh, so, yeah, a, a, a mixed bag of a, of, a, of a week for the men's hoops team, but all, overall positive, especially uh, coming off of the Eastern loss. Um, definitely positive developments. Uh, given how they performed against Arizona State and USC, especially how well the defense performed, um, 
So yeah, let's let's start with that Arizona State game. Uh, that's one of the craziest games you'll ever see. <laughs> like that was that was nuts. Yeah, that's uh, that is definitely one way to put it, man. That was that was something else. Uh, that was so the point four four points per possession was a. Uh, was a new low in the Ken Palm era. So when we say Ken Palm era, we're talking like 2001 and beyond, basically. Um, and uh, yeah, that that was a new low for a conference opponent in the last like 20 seasons. New low for Arizona uh, State as well. Yeah, totally, totally crazy. Um, it was, you know, as as any kind of outlier performance um, is, you know, it was definitely a mixture of you know really good play by the Cougs and also just some really you know, shitty shooting by Arizona state. Um, you know, obviously if they play that game, you know, a hundred times, this is probably the lowest <laughs> efficiency, uh, for Arizona state in those hundred games, but still, um, you know, they did it. And especially as you said, you know, coming off the Eastern game, uh, you know, losing that game, which, you know, the Eastern game was really probably more about, uh, you know, the offense than the defense really, but still, uh, you know, we had had conversations about, you know, the defense has been okay. Hasn't been super impressive. Um, and so to, to go down to Arizona state, which, you know, is, is a team that we had, you know, issues with last year, um, and to dominate them so thoroughly, um, you know, the offense still wasn't great, but, um, but you know, you can overlook most of that, uh, when the defense play plays like that, cause that, that was bonkers. Yeah, uh, that was – it was crazy. Yeah, obviously, um, ASU shot a lot of contested shots, uh, and uh, but you still expect teams to make more of the contested sure. shots than that. Yep. But, you know, they you – know, WSU didn't give up a ton of second chances, so they, they couldn't get many easy buckets. Um, obviously, WSU's offense left something to be desired. Uh, usually don't score, what was it, 0.71 and win by 22 points. Um, that's pretty wild, but, uh, there, you know, I guess there was just a, a bug hitting both teams, particularly in the first half. You know, WC gets those 10 <laughs> points and right away, 10 points yeah. on the first like four possessions and they're ready to go. Um, and then they just completely stop shooting for the rest of the half. Uh, so that was, that was nuts. WSU obviously played a, a pretty normal offensive half in the second half. You know, they, they weren't like shooting the lights out, but, but kind of what you would have expected. And, and then ASU just kept being bad. <laughs> they, uh, they, they really didn't, uh, get much of anything going. So really cool. I, we know, uh, uh, Kyle Smith has the goal. Every game of holding the opposing team to 49. Um, I'm not sure he ever could have envisioned holding a conference opponent to 29 points, uh, which is just nuts. And it was kind of lost later in the week as they played a much, you know, bigger high profile game against USC, but, but just to give up 29 points in a game. It was nice after we were, we were kind of worried about the defense and, and, and yeah, that was the first sign that, that maybe, there's the defense has more in it than what it showed in the, in the early non-conference part. What we haven't seen yet. So, so fans are always, uh, you know, fans are always sort of looking for the, you know, the, the mythical complete performance. Um, 
we haven't I guess maybe the Idaho one is but Idaho is so 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 bad I, I don't know how much you take away from that but um, you know typically we haven't had the offense be good and the defense be good in the same game um, and, and that's kind of you know uh, you know I've heard a coach say you know that you get what you emphasize right and so after those first five games where you know the offense was really 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 good like um, you know, first five games, their lowest point per possession output was 1.09 against UC Santa Barbara. And if you're like, you know, I, I don't even understand what these numbers mean, Nooser. Basically, you know, 1.0 ish, um, is, gener- is average. So, you know, when you start getting above 1.0, then, you know, that's, that's better and better and better. Um, and so, you know, their first five games, Alcorn 1.23, Seattle 1.21. Uh, then, you know, I mentioned Santa Barbara, uh, UC Santa Barbara 1.09. Idaho was 1.51, which is really, 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 really good. Uh, 1.22 against Winthrop. Those, um, f- those four games were like four, those ones that were all 1.21 and above were like four of the best offensive performances of Kyle Smith's tenure at WSU. Cause the offense, as we know, has been kind of a struggle for, uh, for the first two years. And so, okay, so great. You know, the offense is kind of humming and the defense is, eh, you know, it's, it's okay. It's not great. Um, it's, you know, it's got, you know, pretty significant lapses, you know, things like that. Right. Okay. Well then, you know, Eastern happens. And of course both sides kind of suck. Well then Arizona state defense is really good. USC defense again, really, really, really good. Um, you know, and so you go, well, you know, but the offense in both of them was, yeah. So I, you know, I, maybe this is just, you know, so, sort of like the growing pains of a season where well, you're kind of trying to figure out that equilibrium, trying to figure out your ideal personnel to get the balance that you want between those two ends of the floor. Well, yeah. And, and we can, you, you mentioned the USC game. Let's move to talk about that. We were both there. Um, pretty solid atmosphere, you know, a lot of, a lot of students there. I mean, they, they're not used to this. It took them a while to get into it, but, you know, WSU kind of got up a little bit in the first half and that, that brought an atmosphere to it. Um, but really, yeah, you, you mentioned, uh, the defense, I, you know, out, the one thing that was concerning is how well USC finished it in the paint or in, in, on twos. But honestly, um, their bigs weren't crazy effective. Like Chavez Goodwin was six of 11 on twos. That's, that's good. But you know, that you can kind of live with that, but you know, Isaiah Mobley was two of seven. Um, and, and you know, that it was like some, you know, the, it was kind of some backup bigs that, that were getting easy buckets. Uh, but also they hit a bunch of really tough jumpers, <laughs> two point jumpers, especially, um, Drew Peterson, uh, and and so that 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 was tough. You know, it seems the defense definitely you know against USC, who is probably going to be a pretty good offense. They're twenty first right now in adjusted offensive offensive efficiency on Kempom. Um, and if you look at you know what what they've done this year, uh, they have whooped up on everyone uh, offensively. That uh, this is uh, easily the lowest they've scored. Um, and, and, you know, actually, uh, I don't know why it it was actually, I don't know why Ken Palm has 99.7 seems like 63 points on 60, 63 possessions is 1.0, but I don't know, but they, the lowest they had done was, you know, San Diego state did a little, you know, held, held them to about the same. 
San Diego State is uh, a very similar team in uh, capability of WSU, but also San Diego State's defense is currently ranked ninth uh, in adjusted defensive efficiency, while while WSU is uh, what after that USC performance is is closer to uh, they're in the forties now, right? So they. They, they performed as well as San Diego State, who has a very, very good defense. So that, that encourages you, right? And, and so, um, and then it, it was really, they, they limited three pointers. So yeah, you're giving up a bunch of twos, but they're not threes. That's good. Um, they, they didn't force a ton of turnovers, but they forced, uh, I, except for USC's, Next game against Eastern Kentucky, which sometimes teams can be kind of loose with the ball when they're heavily favored, right? So uh, that when up until WSU, you know, up until they had played WSU, the turnover rate against WSU was the highest they had had. Um, you know that they WSU held them down rebounding really well, twenty eight percent. That's that's below uh, their their average. Um, so there's just a lot of good things. Obviously the interior defense is lacking. It seemed like less about our bigs struggling against their bigs and, and more about, um, probably our guards struggling against their, uh, big guards, uh, particularly Peterson and, uh, um, but, but yeah, so, and maybe just, you know, defensively up top, um, struggling. And, and so, uh, I think, if you look at how they, well they did, there's not going to be many harder teams to guard for WSU than USC this year. Yep. So, you know, maybe like UCLA or, you know, someone like that, just because they have, they have just so much length across the board. Um, but it's, it, it, it's very encouraging defensive performance, uh, against a team like that. And so I, yeah, I'm just, I was, I was very happy to see how well the, how well they, they performed after, um, after you know that that U.S. that Eastern game where it was like the rock bottom of the defense and the Winthrop game and all that and we were just very worried. It seems after the last two, the the defense has corrected and and to do it against a legitimately good offensive team is very yep. encouraging. Yep, I, I'm sneaking a quick peek at USC's hoop math numbers um, because I know that we were just sort of like, Oh man, you know, there, there were, you know, these guys, especially, you know, Drew Peterson, right. Made us, made us crazy with his two point jumpers. Um, they are actually really good at, at these two point jumpers. Um, and, and also like, it's also worth noting that, you know, what, what hoot math is putting together is sort of an inexact deal in the sense that, um, you know, things aren't always classified correctly or classified the same from school to school or whatever. So with that giant caveat, um, Drew Peterson's making 55% of his two point jumpers this year. Um, Chavez Goodwin is making 56% of his two point jumpers. Uh, Max Ogbonk Polo, who hit uh, one or two, uh, also is hitting 60% of his Two point jumpers. So Clyde's a pretty tough one. Like he hit at least one really yeah. tough one. And yeah. yeah. So they were tough, but you know, these are guys who have been hitting them. Um, you know, some of what we saw, I think was driven by, you know, WSU's lineup choices. And I, I think that Kyle Smith and his staff have some, some, maybe some hard choices to make right now going forward. Um, you know, really one nice thing about playing this game at, at this point in the season is, 
you re- it's a really a, a little bit of a temperature check, right? Like, like you're like, okay, you know, we've, we've started the season. Well, you know, they had the one, you know, whatever against Eastern, but um, you know, other than that, you know, they've, they've controlled every other game, including, you know, the first game against Arizona state, which is, you know, a team that was supposed to be about as good as them this year. And obviously they're not, obviously we're um, a much stronger team at this point. So, okay. Uh, now you've got this test against USC and a, a really good team. And it, it's kind of a measuring stick. Right. And, and so I think that, you know, when you watch that game, there, there were some real, positives, uh, many of which we've talked about. Um, but there's also some questions, right? And, you know, all season WC has been rolling with this three guard lineup primarily, um, particularly at the start of games, you know, going Tyrell Roberts and Michael Flowers and Noah Williams. Noah Williams ostensibly, um, is playing a wing position, but he's not a wing. He's a, he's a six, five shooting guard. So, um, so they're, they're doing that. It, that's a pretty big shift from, you know, philosophically from what he did the last, uh, last couple of years, um, they were, you know, pretty big on the perimeter the last couple of years. I mean, Isaac Bonton was six, three, um, and everybody else went up from there. Right. So you've gone from, you know, six, three, six, five, six, seven, six, eight, six, 11, or whatever it was last year, um, or, or six, 10, six, 11, if FA and Deshaun were starting together to now you're going like five, 11, maybe five, 11, uh, six, one, you know, again, maybe six, one. One, uh, then six five, then um, six ten, six eleven. From there, they're pretty small on the perimeter, and you see where that's maybe causing some issues. Um, you know, particularly in this game, you know, Noah's out there guarding Drew Peterson. I, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't care if he's shooting a two point jumper, which you know that's as we know is kind of like not the best shot in the world. Um, and just in terms of value, but you know, when you're six, nine shooting over six, five, I mean, there's just, you know, there's not a whole lot to be done at that point, um, to, to influence the shot. And and I think that's also part of what we're seeing with, you know, some of the perimeter shots, um, you know, USC didn't shoot a lot of threes, but some of our other opponents have shot, uh, quite a few threes. And, you know, when the guys running out on you are five eleven and six, one, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to shoot over the top of those guys. So I, I do think that the coaching staff needs to take, um, and, and I'm sure they are, you know, take, take a look, take a hard look at this three guard lineup. They pretty much went away from it in the second half. Yeah. About the last um, the 10 times, minutes. Yeah. And the times minutes, when probably. they did try to run it, it, it pretty much went badly. Um, couldn't really create on offense, you know, a little bit weaker on defense. Um, so I, you know, but there's trade-offs, right? Like, okay, so. You know, okay, so what you're going to play Flowers next to Noah, and then who's your first guard off the bench? Is it Koulibaly? Is it Roberts? And um, Noah has, you know, continued to have his issues with turnovers. Koulibaly, same deal. You know, were they trying to depress turnovers? Maybe not the worst idea in the world. When you offensive rebound the way we do, okay, great. But, you know, there, there's sort of all these trade-offs happening right now, and, and none of them seem like a very um, ideal solution. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, you know, Roberts in particular had some really nice offensive games early in the season, but now when you're playing more athletic, bigger guards, it's it's very clear he's, he's having a little bit harder time getting his shot off yep. offensively. And then he's also, like you said, giving up so much height and uh, defensively. Um, not that, like, I think he's a solid defensive player, but there's only so much you can do at that size, right? So, yep. especially if you're not 
you know, a super exceptional athlete. Um, so it, it, I, he obviously works his butt off on defense and he's a very good shooter, but now he needs a little more space and it's a little tougher to get that space. He was 0 for 7 in this game. He, all, all of his shots were rushed or, you know, difficult. So it's, it's, you know, and, and teams know that he can shoot now. So if they take that away, he kind of doesn't have the ability to beat them off the dribble. You know, he can get by a guy, but they can recover with the height. Yep. And, and then he has a lot of trouble if a, if a big comes down. Um, we saw him kind of do these like kind of flip hook half shots, like yeah. to try to just to get something up. And, and those are very, very low percentage shots. So, um, it, it, you know, it's, it, it, it's fine if he comes in and spurts, you know, and it's fine if Flowers is in and, and they both bring value, but when they're together, it, it might just be, uh, you know, too much. And then, and then with Noah, just push it, like you said, just pushing the lineup down, um, the height down. And they still have the ability to play big. And then we obviously saw basically Bomba with Bomba and Noah were playing kind of the two, three down the stretch with flowers and then Roberts would come in sporadically and then flowers yep. most of the time. And, and then you, and then you had two of the bigs, um, you know, Yakimovsky had some real nice defensive minutes and he made a layup <laughs> drive yeah. and drive and layup. Woo. That was, that was insane. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, who really impressed this game is like TJ Bamba, obviously. Yeah. Um, huge shots, obviously made what could have been the game winning shot if not for a defensive lapse on the on the next possession um just what he's starting to just improve and and you know he's starting to show some of that uh scoring ability to go along with his athletic ability yeah uh back to roberts for just a sec he is uh currently hitting 30 percent of his twos (laughs) which is uh very very bad um His field goal percentage at the rim is 31%. His uh, field goal percentage on two-point jumpers is 20, 29%. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's really kind of the issue, right? I mean, you like guys can play at that size. Um, you know, Isaiah Thomas at Washington, obviously a pretty exceptional guy. But, you know, he, he played well at that size. Roberts just doesn't seem to have – that kind of deal. And, and to be honest, um, you know, he really was, uh, as near as I could tell more of a scoring guard when he was at UC San Diego. Um, you know, kind of more, we, we joked heading into the season, um, that he was like, uh, you know, a Tawan Porter type, right. At Oregon where, you know, Tawan Porter pretty famously was like five, eight or whatever. Um, but you know, just a total pest to deal with, right. He could get to the rim, Occasionally he had the a tremendous mid range game. His uh, three point range would, you know, could extend out, you know, three, four steps behind the line. Like, um, you know, those are the things that, you know, shorter guys have to be able to do. And Roberts, Roberts just hasn't really, hasn't really shown that yet. Um, I don't know, you know, if he's still kind of feeling his way a little bit in terms of, um, you know, being cast as a point guard where, um, you know, he wasn't, I don't think really a point guard before. I mean, I think he was probably playing. Well, I will say if you're talking from like an offensive sets position, yeah. like he, he, Noah was bringing the ball up a lot and then, uh, yeah. they would be running Roberts off screen. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily sure if they're treating him like a point guard. I don't think he's really running the offense. They do have him run pick and rolls, which if you ask yes. Bryce, if you ask our, our colleague Bryce, um, he's, 
uh, struggling quite a bit with, and it, that might also be related to his height, just being able to see yeah. the pass to the big. I mean, he does have the ball in his hands a lot. Yeah. You know, and he's initiating the offense a lot. He's in, and when things break down, usually he ends up with the ball in his hands, you know, running, running and pick yeah. and roll or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, you know, honestly, it's just, it's too much. And you know, the kinds of things he needs to be doing, it seems like in order to, to be effective, you know, he, number one, he needs to be a threat to shoot a three really at any time. You know, if he's going to move the defense when the ball's in his hand, that's really his best shot, um, is to do that. Um, you know, one interesting thing I've noticed about his three and, and, you know, just kind of take it for what it's worth, but when he jumps on his jump shot, he jumps quite a bit forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's I don't know if you've noticed that. Yes, I definitely yeah. have. So that is a small thing that maybe limits a little bit, which kinds of threes you can take. Um, you know, it's like, you know, not to compare him to a guy like Steph Curry, but I'm going to compare him to a guy like Steph Curry. Um, you know, when you watch Steph shoot, he's, he's really kind of straight up and down, right? Like he, he jumps more or less straight up. He's not really jumping forward. Um, and then generates most of the, you know, most of the power on his shot, you know, with his, with his wrist flick. Um, and it's so fast, right? Roberts seems to have to gather a little bit to shoot his three and he kind of jumps forward, which again, if, you know, if you've got a guy closing out, um, you know, it's a little bit different kind of limits your ability to just kind of pull at any moment. So I don't know. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to get too down on the kid. Um, you know, my sense was he wasn't brought into play this many minutes, but he must've impressed them. Um, you know, maybe just rethinking, you know, kind of how we, the personnel that we run out. Um, and again, if they do, there's going to be a trade off. There's, there's definitely going to be some more turnovers, but you know, do you, do you make up for that with, um, increased defensive efficiency? Do you make up for that by, by scoring, you know, a few more points? Um, I don't know. It's really hard when you look at a guy who went 0 for seven and you think to yourself, man, if he just makes one of those, right. If he just makes one of those, um, you know, you probably win. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a tough deal. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I know that Kyle Smith is, is, you know, probably, uh, working through this as we speak, but, um, there's, there's, I don't know. It's, it's a tough situation. I don't think they can keep going the way they're going. Yeah. And he ultimately started and played 17 minutes. So I, I, yep. I could see that be maybe not starting anymore, but I could see him more in the 10 to 15 minute range, yeah. um, especially with the kind of rise of TJ and yep. and maybe Andre showing something defensively because that was, yep. you know, if he missed his one three, if he, if if Andre hits that three, then it's almost yep. a perfect game for him. <laughs> That's another one that we're like, uh, God, if we just make that one. And then I, it's to me, it seems like hard to keep both TJ and DJ Rodman out of the lineup. Yeah. Like or out of yeah. the starting lineup. It seems like one of those guys has to be in there, right? Like yep. it's because uh, DJ has just been playing so well. Like he's not, yep. he, he is who he is. You know, he's not going to shoot very often, but he's so pesky. Like he's, he's so pesky. He, he, yep. he gets on the floor. He he gets off his offensive rebounding. I think because he's improved his strength a bit and he has gotten even better. And then he's yeah, he, he's he leading the team in offensive rebounding percentage. 
Yeah, and it's not he doesn't just do that, but he affects like he he prevents teams from getting out on the break because he he bothers the rebound. Like he gets his hand right. in there. So even when he doesn't get the rebound, he makes it harder. I mean, there's times other guys get the rebound because he's in there. So he's he's just become a very good offensive rebounder and even though he's limited offensively other ways, uh that is a, a very good asset. And and if he can do that, hit his free throws, knock down a three occasionally uh, with the defense he plays. Um, I mean, I, I got to think his minutes are going to keep going up and up. And, and same for TJ. Uh, I mean, the guy is, uh, I was talking to, um, you know, with our, with our good friend, Jamie Vinnick on, on, on Saturday night about it. I mean, we're like, wow, he's nine of 20 from three this year. That that's fluky. But then he was 12 of 20 last year. And, and so maybe he's just a, as, you know, unorthodox as his shot looks, uh, he might just be good enough and, and he's quick enough to get by a defender and that helps. So he doesn't get yep. as challenged. Um, but yeah, obviously he, he still has room to improve his, his two point shooting. He, he takes a lot of them towards the rim and he's not shooting those well. I think he's still got to learn that game. Um, but he, I, I seems like his defense has improved. He's getting steals. Um, it, it, there's a lot of encouraging play. And so I got to think that you're going to see either TJ Bamba or, or DJ Robin get a start coming up here. Um, just yep. because, you know, at, at some point, you know, I know they, they, they focus on practice so much, but you got to look at what's going on in the game. Right. So, yep. um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, all the, that they were uh, both good. Uh, I mean, obviously, Koulibaly, People talk about him a lot. He's very exciting. Um, only six minutes. They were, uh, you know, pr- pretty impactful minutes. He had an assist, a turnover. He had a three. You know, <laughs> like so yeah, he did, he he did gonna, a lot. He did he's going to make the most of those six minutes. And he's gonna he's gonna talk and and all that. But that's that's yeah. the kind of guy when we look at you know how could the guards get bigger. How, you know, how, how can we get more out of our guards? I mean, if you were starting Jefferson at the one and Noah at the two and DJ at the three, then suddenly your lineup is a lot bigger and right. probably a lot better defensively. But again, Koulibaly turns the ball over. Uh, he's, he's kind of a wild card a bit offensively, probably gambles a lot defensively, maybe takes you out of it so much. I don't know. Um, but he is that big guard. He's 6'3", 185. Like, you know, it, I, I even, I, 185 is, he plays, he seems to play even a little stronger than that. So, um, I, I've, I've, I've envisioned his minutes going up, but obviously he has some things to improve to align with what the staff is value, valuing, which right yeah. now seems to be turnovers. Unless, of course, you're Noah, but you got to have Noah in there. He does so much stuff. Like, he can't, right. like, he's not, he's not getting, he's not coming out. Um, but yeah, so it, overall that game, it was, it was tough. Like, you know, if you look at the grand scheme of things, they're going to need one of these. They need, they need to beat USC or Arizona or UCLA. Like they need one of those on their resume. And this one was right there for the taking and it just didn't happen. And although we can be encouraged by the performance, this team is probably as good as we think they were, but you still have to win the games to actually yeah. get into the tournament. There's plenty of yeah. teams that 
finish in the 40s, finish in the 50, you know, finish in, in a in a, par, a a place where you would a, a, expect them to make the tournament, but they just don't have the big win yep. to get in. And so now we yep. got to hope, you know, we can beat UCLA or UCLA. So we have UCLA. Right now, you only have one of those big three teams. You only have one more home game, and that's a Thursday game against Arizona. And the other, yep. there's three others that are on the road or that too. So you don't play Arizona on the road. Uh, yeah. And then you play both the LA schools, which will be a tough yeah. weekend on the road. So yeah. you play um, Arizona once you play UCLA once you play USC twice. You've only got four games against the, the three teams that are already good enough to be considered quality wins. Even at home. <laughs> yeah. And you only got, you know, one more at home and that's Arizona. It, it's Yeah. It's it's going to be rough, and and the Pac-12. I think you know when we looked at the non-conference schedule, we thought you know it's eh, yeah, it's not great, it's not super strong, but you know they, the Pac-12 should be real good. So, okay, uh, not the case probably, <laughs> given yep. what we've seen so far. Um, Oregon especially is is the one that sort of is like a bit of a head scratcher. I mean, obviously they they you know they had a lot of roster turnovers. They always seem to um, under Altman, but. You know they uh, they're not great, and everybody else is is not great either. Um, you know, is it just kind of looking down the the I mean, Ken Palm rankings? Is the only other team, Oregon's just right outside of it. Outside of those top three, who are all in the top thirteen, yeah. WSU is the only team in the top fifty. After that, yep. And yep. and top fifty in net, which you know we can look at the net. WSU was sixty first in that. Um, cause obviously they factor in wins and so not getting those wins against Eastern and USC hurt. Um, uh, so, but y- you're going to need top 50 wins and they're just not there unless yep. some of these teams start playing a lot better. Yeah. And now you're to the point where you got to rattle off a lot more conference wins, um, just yep. to, just to have a, a, a total number of wins, that can overcome maybe uh, uh, you know a lack of uh, big time wins, or you yeah, gotta I mean, rise up and beat Arizona, USC, UCLA. Yeah, if you're in the top four in the Pac-12, you're probably fine, you know. But it's you know now you're you're sort right, of but playing if you're that looking game. At what what Kempom has predicted right now, yeah, we're he has us predicted as finishing fourth, but eleven and nine. Right, and in this league with our non-conference schedule, I'm not sure that 11 and nine is getting you in there. Yeah, unless, it might not. Unless you get maybe a road win at UCLA or road or or a home win over Arizona or something. Yeah, yep, yep. It's uh, they're going to be walking a little bit of a tightrope on that stuff. Um, you know, it's. I don't know that there's much they could have done differently about scheduling. Um, you know, it's not quite as easy as just. Putting it together unless you're like, oh, sure, we'll go play at, you know, whatever really yeah. difficult school. Um, so, when this you know, probably, I they probably didn't think they'd be at this point this year where they were there to contend for. I, I, I think that they're a year ahead of where they thought they would be. And yeah. so maybe they wouldn't have made the schedule like as a schedule to get yourself into the tournament. Yeah, you know, and plus they're looking at they have twenty non-conference games. They're probably expecting to have a better teams in the conference that they're playing, and, and yes. obviously those teams have underperformed so yeah. far. Um, I think that was the big thing. Yeah, to be honest. 
They so, were counting on the Pac-12 to be strong again and be like, okay, we'll have lots of opportunities for quality wins in conference. And, you know, as it turns out, uh, Oregon State really sucks. Uh, Washington, we knew Washington and Cal would probably suck, but you have um, Arizona State really now, sucks. Those are, those are must wins probably. Yeah, by totally. Nice. nice um, to win by nice margins, too. Yeah. And then Colorado and Utah, you know, both of them could still make a move up. Oregon, as we said, um, those teams could all still make a move up. But Oregon to move up. We would. Um, we I would. Ca- but Oregon State, you know, wow. I just, yeah. that is just not yeah, that's, together. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think we thought there was some regression coming, but this, this, this is, this is something altogether different, man. It's, yeah, I don't, yeah, uh, I, I'm just yeah. not, I don't, I, they, they made a hell of a run last year, but they weren't, they were still like a, a top 100 team at the end of the yes. year. Like they're yes. one sitting at 136 on Camp Palm right now. No, this is wild. They've, they've lost, they won their first game against Portland State. Yeah. And then they've just lost, lost, lost. And they've not really been, they, they had their Wake Forest game. That was one against a solid team that they were competitive, but you yep. know, Penn State, beats them cal beats them pretty good arizona beats them pretty good um so you know they'll probably get a couple wins coming up here but you know they they're (laughs) you would think but they lost to samford yeah number 243 samford not stanford samford yeah they're just not you know i mean they got you know some of the guys they brought in like deshaun davis is not playing that well um and that they got a lot of dudes that well. who are playing bad <laughs> uh yeah uh, jared lucas isn't is a great shooter but he's just not uh, not a creator and so they don't really have that creating guard that they had last year with ethan thompson so um yeah uh we'll see i don't we're this is not oregon state podcast uh but yeah looking ahead <laughs> so now after you know losing to usc these two games this week and, and then the probably the, the you know the the next few after become even bigger uh because yeah. you got weber state south dakota state both top 100 teams in kempom weber state yeah. is like these are tricky weber state what are they were they, they were like at 40th in in uh net so that yeah and, i mean really if we're talking the tournament the net is what matters right well, we can talk about right. kempom all we want but but the net yes. is what matters and we have net rankings now wsu 61 so they're there, they're, you know, they're there, they're in a position, but that also means they need to do better. They need to do yep. better than what they've done. And, and and the Weber State suddenly is an opportunity. They're number 46. There you ain't know? no. <laughs> they haven't lost. Yeah. That's crazy pants. Yeah, they're number 46. So get that win. And so that also shows like the the value of, of winning that, that the, the, the value that Winning is described in net over Kempom, which, by the way, I'm not going to complain. Like, I would never complain about that. You should have to win to get into the tournament. I, I would I would never be like, oh, yes. yeah, put in the 14 and 14 team because, uh, you know, put in Duke last year. I would never say that. So I'm glad that the net factors in wins. But that 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 is why, because they have not beaten anybody. They beat UMass 123. That's their biggest win. They did beat them by 15, but they're, you know, they, they, they don't have any impressive wins, but that shows if WSU 
could have just beaten Eastern, they'd probably be like 10 spots higher. Yes. Um, yes. And, and so that just shows the, uh, how much that loss hurt and why they have to, why they have more to overcome. And, you know, if they, if they would have beaten USC, I would assume they'd be in the forties of net um, just having that win. And plus they would have that. They also use the quadrant one, two, and three, all that wins. Um, so we would have had one of those. Uh, so now you come up, you can get technically, uh, no, I think is quadrant one. It's 30 and below, uh, at home. So this isn't a quadrant one, but it is a quadrant two as we're talking right now. And those are good. That's 31 to 75. That's good to have, especially in the non-conference. Um, so this is a big game, Weber State. And then South Dakota State is, uh, you know, they're, they're on the verge, you know, they could be a quadrant two because they're they're sitting at at uh, seventy six right now, so um, you know that there's some real chance you know to to get a to to get some potentially good. I mean, because obviously South Dakota State's probably going to run through their conference and they're probably going to get a bunch of wins, and so they're going to get they're going to end up higher. And there's a good chance if you look at the Kempom rankings, a big sky Weber State's going to run through their conference and get a bunch more wins, and so they're they're probably going to be able to maintain those nets pretty high, and, and so that's that that makes these all all the more important. But again, these teams are pretty decent. They're these are not give me win, like give me wins in in right. any way. Yep, they're tricky. They're tricky, but we got to get them for sure. So. Yeah, we yeah got to get them. They you need them. Um, uh, Weber State plays very very small as their starting lineup, uh, but they do have a couple bigs off the bench, uh, so they do have size. So I would kind of expect them probably to play more against WSU. Uh, but but their their starting their core uh, their core um, is, is pretty short on the front line. However, uh, their guards are pretty tall. Uh, they have a six-three starting point guard who plays almost all the minutes, and they have a six-four two guard who plays almost all the minutes, and a six-six uh, three who plays about seventy percent of the minutes. So, uh, you know, if if WC is rolling out five eleven and six one and six five against that, that could be an issue. Even if you have you know the five inch difference on the on the other end so uh, on the back end so um that that's what makes these things tricky right like these aren't these aren't just like this isn't a swack team coming in this is a really good big sky team and, yep. and they definitely can beat you and they definitely want to uh so that's that one's tricky uh south dakota state they're actually ranked higher on kempom so they're about 74 um uh they uh they also have some big guards, but they also play a three guard lineup a lot. Um, so that kind of mitigates some of their size. Uh, but they have a lot of ball handlers, um, and a lot of size, but definitely not, not much size on the back end. So that's something WC should, should definitely be looking to exploit. I expect WC to kind of handle rebounding against both these teams pretty well. Um, so it comes down to, you know, hitting shots and, taking care of the ball, whatever, making plays. Because uh, if you come out, get these two wins, um, you're going to jump in net probably up into the high, the low 50s, and then, then you're really set up for the rest of the season. Yeah, for sure. 
got to get these and then uh you know and then head into uh head into christmas and you know got a, got a little bit of a, a reprieve after that but not a huge one you know these are all you know somewhat tricky games and they can't so they really boise can't afford state, to lose any of them boise state in spokane too like spokane yep. is you know it, it's technically wsc's the home team but that never those games never seem to go like wsc's the home yeah. team right so no yeah um, so it's you know they the reality is they really probably can't afford to lose any of them uh yep. which is you know not a great place to be you know <laughs> kind of thinking hey we got to win all of these games but you know, I mean, this is the schedule they put together and, um, you know, these teams are not terrible. And so, you know, it's, but they're also not name brand and they're also not teams that are likely to be looked at as big quality wins down the road. So, you know, you just gotta, just gotta beat them. Gotta beat them. Yeah. Go, go beat them. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, Let's uh, take a quick break. Um, we'll talk uh, the uh, the new coaching hires, uh, which are pretty yeah. exciting um, for football. And we'll talk uh, the women's hoops team, and we'll uh, we'll talk about uh, how volleyball saw their season unfortunately end. But we'll be back after this. back so jeff what are you drinking tonight i am having a fremont winter ale their imperial winter ale uh i figured it's you know it's it's winter time it's cold outside and so a nice little winter warmer type beer would would be nice you know real nice you know malty drink uh you know to kind of warm your tummy Reminds me of the days when I used to drink uh, snowcap ales like crazy before Seahawks games. This is like, you know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago. But, you know, uh, you know, to warm me up before a Seahawks game in December, November. So, yeah. Yeah, it's good. What about you? What you drinking? Yeah. So winter ale, formerly called Abominable. uh, And that's why bourbon Abominable uh, is a, is a souped up version of it that they age in barrels. Ah, and then, and then, uh, uh, so they had to change the name because they went into, they started distributing to Oregon and, um, hub brewery, uh, uh, also has a winter ale called abominable and they also do oh. a bourbon and abominable. And so that's why you see, um, uh, bourbon abominable is now called B bomb. And then, Abominable just became winter ale. Uh, well, so fun, fun facts there. Uh, it was a cordial. It was a cordial change. I don't think there was much tension about it. So this is like, hey, this is kind of confusing. They have their exact same style of beer, and that they have, they have the exact same name. So that's yeah. The so once they were both selling beer in the same place, that that became an issue. Um, yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so I am drinking uh, what I've I, I bought specifically because of the name. 
um, which is uh, Austrian Powers from uh, Vie- <laughs> from Trapdoor Brewing, a Vienna lager. Um, you know, Austria, Vienna, obviously. Um, so Austin Powers uh, was a big uh, thing in my childhood, primarily because people think it's really funny to say like, oh, are you related to Austin? Or is Austin your uncle? And you would think here uh, 25 years after those movies were made, uh, you know, 20 to 25, (laughs) that would end. But no, it still happens. It still happens. It still happens. People ask me if I'm related to Austin. Um, So... No, is I'm your not. Middle name uh, Austin. I I am not Danger. I am not related to a fictional British spy. Nope. Uh, I am not. Uh, but you know, thank you for asking, though. You know, obviously, uh, who knows? Maybe I am a real person related to a fictional character. Um, very good joke that I've heard. No less than. 1000 times uh so uh good job guys all of you all 1000 of you who made that who have made that joke to me over the past 25 years um i'm really proud of you but anyways this beer uh pretty good it's a nice austrian lager vienna lager it's it's real easy to drink you know slightly just a teensy bit uh maltier than like a you know like a a a pilsner might be or or a or or a or golden lager or a Dortmunder or something, um, very very drinkable, very tasty. Not overly. Sometimes Vienna's can be like super malty, and um, but this one kind of it's it's right in my wheelhouse. I'm really enjoying it. Real smooth, real tasty. Austrian Powers Trapdoor Brewing. They're down in Vancouver. Um, they make a lot of good stuff. Check them out. Um, I, I've enjoyed what I've had from them. Uh, you know, that, you know, that, that Vancouver beer scene's got it, its own kind of identity from the Portland scene. So it's cool. Uh, but yeah, uh, Jeff, uh, so when we talked last, we talked about, uh, bringing Dickard on. And one thing that you were pretty worried about was that he would keep up with this, uh, kind of run forward style that we had in the last uh, what five games of the season with him at the helm. So, how do you now feel that he has hired an offensive coordinator, uh, Eric Morris, who is an air raid disciple and was running a pass heavy offense at University of Incarnate Word and doing it quite well? Yeah, I mean, I look like kind of a big idiot now, don't I? <laughs> wouldn't be the first time buddy it's fine no no it certainly would not be the first time uh definitely won't be the last time either they uh yeah this is um you know credit where credit's due man this is this is good <laughs> this is like really 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 good um you know when when morris's name you know first started you know getting floated in our you know our slack channel people are like hey you know i'm i'm hearing this thing and i'm like no shit that's awesome. Um, Eric Morris, a guy, you know, who's been to Pullman, um, you know, he's, he's, he coached, you know, under Leach here. Um, so he, he kind of knows the deal. Not, not that he was here for a long time, but, but he knows the deal. 
Um, he's an air raid disciple. You know, we say disciple cause he didn't, um, you know, run a pure version of the air raid. So when he left Wazoo, he went to go be, um, a receivers coach with Cliff Kingsbury, um, at Texas tech, eventually, um, being elevated to, I think, co offensive coordinator, which, you know, as we know is, is, you know, um, Kingsbury was kind of the same as Leach. Like he's the guy playing the calls I mean, he's basically the coordinator, but, um, you know, like, like working his way up there that way. And then, uh, you know, four years at the university of incarnate word, which if you've never heard of it, that's okay, but it's an FCS school, um, culminating with this year. Uh, you know, they made it to the FCS playoffs won I think 10 games or something, uh, offense is explosive and great, and it should be the kind of offense that um, that our fans can that many of our fans can kind of wrap their their arms around. Uh, you know, I don't I don't know much about it in terms of specifics, but I know that um, it is not a you know a pure air raid as we would think with Leach, where we're you know throwing the ball seventy to eighty percent of the time. Um, this is going to be more like you know probably sixty to seventy percent of the time. Um, which is still a lot, but um, but is less. You'll than, still be among the top. Yeah, five you'll teams still be in among the, the top throwing the teams in the country, <laughs> um, but they'll run the ball a li- you know a bit more than what than what Leach did. Um, you're going to see you know a little more creativity. I know Jesse's work. Jesse Casino um, is working on uh, working on a post, kind of breaking down what they do. Um, you know, you'll you'll see some of this other stuff, but but ultimately, the philosophy is to be open to be. Um, try to be explosive to really, you know, kind of push it with the offense. I, you know, I in kind of reading between the lines with the things that Dickert is saying, the things that Chun is saying, um, I, I kind of get the sense that Dickert kind of had to be on board with this sort of thing to convince yeah. Chun that he should be the head coach, you know, that, you know, cause Chun is really, you know, throughout his tenure has really stressed the need um, for, for things, for, for coaches to be a cultural fit, for Washington saying culture is not just the, the person themselves. Like, I, cause I said this on Twitter. I'm like, I'm not sure Dickert's a cultural fit and people are like, Oh my God, what are you talking about? He's like, this guy is totally Pullman. And I'm like, that's not what I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. Like, I'm not, I'm not talking about is his aw shucks, you know, personality going to play well in Pullman. What I'm talking about is, you know, we have a long history of being success, uh, <laughs> successful with, uh, with offensive minded coaches and offensively innovative coaches, whether you're talking about Leach, whether you're talking about Mike Price, whether you're talking about Dennis Erickson, I mean, we can go back and back and back of guys who've been successful as offense forward, innovative offensive coaches. Um, so I was kind of, you know, I was skeptical. I'm like, you know, this guy's a defensive coach and not, not just a, any defensive coach, but a guy who comes from the Craig bowl tree, right. Which we kind of talked about, uh, very conservative, very, you know, kind of run first, you know, man's man, physical football kind of deal. So, um, you know, that's what I was worried about. And it certainly seems like, you know, Chun was kind of like, Hey man, you know, if you want this job, this is, you know, this is how we do it at Washington state. Yeah. Um, and it seems like Dickard has bought into that. So yeah, I am, I'm ecstatic to be honest. Um, I, I'm not sure that I could be any more pleased by another hire. Um, I, I, I'm sure there are guys out there that, you know, maybe might get me more excited, um, just because maybe, you know, there's some name recognition or whatever, but in terms of style, in terms of philosophy, in terms of what I think WSU needs, uh, in order to be successful, 
uh, I think this is like, you know, right up their alley. I mean, I don't know if he's going to work out because obviously you never know if things are going to work out. But, you know, one thing I tried to emphasize last week when talking about Dicker being hired was that, you know, I think process really matters. Like having good process matters. This to me is, is great process. Like this is a guy who, who should fit in. Maybe it doesn't work, but, uh, but the process of getting here, I think is, is the right one. And, uh, and I am, I am super, super, super excited. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's exciting. Um, and then, uh, I'm excited to see an air raid. One thing that obviously Mike Leach's air raid performed very well, particularly towards the end. Um, and then, you know, that one year with Connor, uh, but the, the, uh, at an elite level, you know, they were at a, they were a solid level. They were just a good offense for a while. They were great for a couple, they were great in certain years. Um, but a lot of the, kind of Mike Leach's coaching tree that have done really well and had really good offenses, uh, have incorporated other aspects. They, they brought in kind of read option, RPO stuff like that and, and mixed it up. You know, they, they've incorporated some of the other successful elements of college football where you could say probably the air raid has been one of the most, you know, in the last 20 years, one of the quite well, almost certainly the the most influential offense in college football, I would say. And that, but but the next kind of level of that has been these spread running attacks that are yep. using RPO and and using the read option. The read option probably obviously was a was a massive um, uh, a zone read, whatever you want to call it, a, a, a massive uh, a turning point in college offenses as well, and now in you know eventually NFL offenses too. Um, but but you know it's it. It looks like Morris is going to run, you know, that 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 type of air raid with with integrating newer elements, and that's exciting. Um, and, and that probably, you know, that, that probably helps with Dickert if if he wants to run the ball. That yeah, we're going to run the ball a little bit. You know, we we can we can dominate whatever. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I, I it it, it definitely. Um, once we started hearing it, like you said, uh, it, it made me, um, yeah, obviously you can talk about how Chun said, well, you're maybe, maybe he said, you know, this is part, you got to do this if you're getting the job, but also it makes me feel good about, uh, Dickard himself that he, um, he's willing to look and look at what has been successful at WSU and draw from that instead of just bringing in his own philosophy and trying to force it into, um, uh, force it. And so it's good to see a young coach that's willing, um, uh, to just do what maybe has proven to be successful at WSU, which is a, a unique and weird place, but also has had some recent, very good football success. Um, and, and also has had some very high highs in the last 25 years. Um, so at, it's good to see that, that they're doing that. It makes me feel better about Dickert. Um, and then obviously, uh, you know, I like to see that, you know, cause we were worried about his coaching, you know, his coaching tree, uh, now offensively, you can tap into that air raid staffing tree, which has a lot of, uh, power five experience. And now you're bringing back Clay McGuire to coach the offensive line who has coached at WSU. He's coached at, tech he's coached at usc so he has a lot of power five recruiting power five teaching experience i mean i've, I've heard some people 
you know, I, I'm not um, privy, uh, you know, as a, advanced in, in assessing offensive line coaches this much, but I, I've heard they don't like the way he teaches or that way, the way he used to teach offensive line. He potentially could have changed, but to bring McGuire back, that's a direct result of bringing Morris in, and that that encourages me to the other type of guys they could potentially bring in on this staff. Like this offensive staff could end up being a, a real winner. Um, with a guy like Morris who has connections and a guy like McGuire who has connections. Yep. That was obviously the big concern that, okay, you know, so you're promoting a guy who, uh, you know, has, has, has spent his entire career, right, at the group of five level until he was at, you know, either or the FCS level um, until these last, you know, two years at, at Wazoo. And, and for much of that, he wasn't even able to go out and recruit, you know. So, you know, who's he going to bring in? Who's he going to hire? Um, the fact that he got these two guys with, you know, extensive power five experience. And, and again, I know Morris is coming from FCS, but, you know, extensive power five experience, coaching at Texas Tech, playing at Texas Tech. Um, you know, in, in theory, you know, recruiting Texas is a thing that we should be able to, to really do again. Um, you know, there, there's some power five experience there. And that, that, you know, is honestly kind of all I ever asked for was, you know, okay, so a, an aggressive offensive philosophy and, you know, some power five guys who, who can recruit at a power five level. And, and so it seems like we're getting that, um, which is exciting. I, you know, we don't know who else, um, is coming along with Morris yet. Um, we don't even know how this is going to shake out in terms of coaching the bowl game. I'm not even sure how that works. Um, what's important is that, you know, Morris and, uh, and McGuire can start going out to recruit because, you know, obviously we haven't added to the recruiting class in quite a while. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, so far so good. Um, I, you know, for the people who were sort of blindly both feet in and, you know, scolding me for not being more, um, you know, bl- having, not having more blind faith. Um, in the hire of Jake Dickard, I hope that, you know, at least, at least makes you feel better to know that I'm like, yeah, like this is all positive. These are all good things. And, um, and I'm, I'm really so far couldn't, couldn't be more, you know, if this is the guy, um, I couldn't be happier with the way he's handled it so far. Yeah. And, and then if you look at the defensive side of the ball, I'm pretty encouraged by, uh, the, the coordinator hire there as well. Uh, Brian, Brian Ward from uh another brian um uh from yes, uh, nevada uh also coached for three years as a defensive coordinator at syracuse um now he got fired by syracuse uh but honestly that his defenses weren't terrible at syracuse and and they they were better than what he came in with um what encourages me is you know you talk about again what has worked at wsu and, and what what's the culture here? Well, even if you go back to the real good like Doba defenses, um, they turned the ball over and they got sacks. They they made they made they created havoc. And the the good uh, defenses with Leach, you know, you know under under Grinch and 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 the one decent year they had under Clay's, you know, they they created havoc. And, and so that's probably what works at WSU where you're not going to get the big bodies as often. And unless you can bring in a Joe Salavea, um, you know, what works at WSU is, is aggressive defenses. And this guy Ward definitely runs. He, he won. He looks like he runs the same 
base defense as Dicker, which probably was a requirement for Dicker. Uh, he runs like a four two five, um, and and he just his conference. You know, at, at Syracuse, he was high nationally in takeaways and in sacks. Same at Nevada, high nationally in takeaways and in sacks. Um, you know, if a guy's just doing it over and over again, it's obviously not just luck, luck, luck. Yep. Um, so that's really what kept our defense afloat this year. Um, and I like to see another coach, you know, coming in that plays that type of ball where, um, you can really turn games on their head. Uh, if, if things are going right, like we saw Arizona state where maybe a team is more talented than you, but if, if you can make plays, you can, you can flip it and, and, and win the game. So I, you know, I, I like this hire too, you know, and plus he has, like you said, he's got some power five, like you said, with the offense, he has power five experience. Uh, that's good. This isn't just a, a career mountain West guy. This, this is yep. a guy that's coached around. So maybe he has a good, you know, he has a better network. He has a network of a network, you know, all that he's coached. He's been a defensive coordinator for five years. Um, that's encouraging. So maybe he can build a staff. So, I, I like to see Dickert uh, bringing in a guy like that who has even more kind of high-level defensive coordinator experience than Dicker has. Um, and I think that's a good combo, having them both, considering also they run probably pretty similar styles of defense. Yep. And you know that Dickert's going to have his finger on the pulse of the defense. Exactly. For everything he said, for everything he said about, hey, I'm the – you know, we, we need a head coach who's, you know, not an offensive guy or a defensive guy, but is, you know, the head coach of the whole team. It, like, I get that. And, and, you know, he may believe that philosophically, but the reality is he's also, you know, he's a defensive coach. So he, he's going to have his finger on the pulse of the defense. And so I, I think the hope is, you know, like if you look at Ward, um, the, you know, you know, the style fits, right? The, the, the turnovers, the sacks, the havoc, as you put it, um, all of those things fit. It, the reality is though, the defenses at, at, at Nevada, were still pretty middle of the road in terms of mountain West, um, in, in most metrics. Um, and then, you know, Syracuse was, was sort of the same deal. So, you know, the results maybe weren't the best, even if the style was, was a good fit where you take your positives away from that, as you say, okay, well, you know, Dickert got good results this year. I mean, obviously Washington state was, you know, not a statistically dominant team. So uh, maybe it's not even fair to, to look at that, but um, you know, you know, Dicker with the trajectory they were on and you, you, you kind of got a sense of what they were doing. Um, you know, he's going to have his fingers in the defense. And so maybe you hope that, you know, between their two brains that, um, you know, whatever you've got this, this sort of aggressive philosophy, you pair it with, with Dickert's, you know, eyeballs for lack of a better term, looking at, um, how, how to be effective and maybe the two of them together, um, you know, create a pretty good unit. So yeah, I'm, I'm encouraged by it as well. It may, it seems to make sense. I'm not going to pretend to know a ton about the guy, but, um, but it seems to make sense and it seems to be, um, a hire that fits. And, um, like I said, you know, so far Dickert seems to be doing all the right things. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he was, uh, you know, this year Nevada's defense was 51st in, uh, you know, F, uh, Fremo, Fremo's efficiency. Um, uh, let's see the, the, the year before, uh, they were, uh, 68. Uh, so, um, 
yeah, Miller Road. Obviously, though, you're you're playing at a, you know, uh, so it's at Syracuse, and so they were, yeah, they were pretty bad in his last year at Syracuse. They were 71st, uh, just kind of running through this great radio. I just want to see. But they were uh, 27th the year before. Um, so in 2017, the year before he took over, uh, Syracuse was 70th. So they kind of went around, they kind of started where they finished after three years, but had some highs in between. So, uh, you know, if he gets us to a, 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 you know, a top 30 type defense, then yeah, hell yeah. Yep. <laughs> like, like, yep. like that, that, that has not happened very often. I think nope. it maybe happened once in 2017. I, yeah. uh, that's, that, that would be great. Top five. I'll take a top 60, honestly. Um, yep. if, if we get top, top 60 defense, a top, uh, 25 offense, then that's big time success, uh, at WSU. So, um, yeah. and then if, if you just, if you peak, if you can peak, uh, on the defense in, in a year, peak on the offense in a year, you, you have years like 2018, you know? So, um, yeah. So yeah, I think these are good hires and, and, and especially what, you know, what, what, what was I expecting? I don't know what I was expecting. I was expecting probably less than this on both. So, um, I think it's good. Uh, it'll be interesting. To see I how definitely staff... was expecting yeah. less than this on both. Yeah, like uh, there's like there's no doubt. Like I was expecting something extremely underwhelming, something conservative. Um, you know, just and again, it was just kind of trying to read the tea leaves, right? Like I don't, you know, I don't know Dickert, like whatever, but just what he says. But I'm like, you know, I mean, it's a guy with a with a pedigree of a of a, of a certain variety. So I was fully expecting it, and he has he has surprised me with these, which is great. It's absolutely great. So, yeah, very excited, and I'm, you know, I am I am happy to to you know cheerlead, and I want the guy to succeed. I think people sometimes confuse skepticism with somehow like you know I'm 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 sort of rooting against it. Right. Uh, absolutely not rooting against it. Like just you know I was skeptical of the process, but um, at this point, you know, he's doing what it looks like to me is all the right things, and that's that's what you want to see. Yeah, so yeah, we'll follow along as they they hire the staff out, um, and as they finish this recruiting cycle, which will be very important. Um, but yeah, um, I want to uh, change uh, pace here and and uh, go back to basketball. Talk about uh, uh, the women's hoops team. Um, so it's funny, WSU sitting at six or WSU men sitting at sixty one in uh, net rating. WSU women sitting at 62 so that they're in, they're in a very similar position um they uh so they got that win over miami um miami is actually um at 97 and i think they were expected to maybe be a little better than that so uh that maybe that win is not quite looking like they were hoping it to be um but obviously in the pac-12 uh they're gonna have some opportunities um you got Utah is 26th, uh, Arizona is seven, um, Stanford nine, uh, you know, Oregon 29. These are teams that they put Colorado 44, Arizona state 51. So that there's definitely, they even, you know, the, you know, the, the, uh, the women's team has more opportunity in conference play than the men's yep. team does. For sure. Uh, to get, which is what they did. I mean, obviously they almost only played conference play last year. Um, but that's what they have. But they have, you know, they, they have actually another one. 
a big one coming up this week, which would be big regardless, but actually uh, playing at Gonzaga, um, who is, uh, let's see, they are at number eight in the net. So uh, this could be a tough game, um, but it's also quite an opportunity uh, to, to get a huge win. And also to beat Gonzaga would be great, right? So, but um, uh, they have a huge game this week uh, against Gonzaga. Uh, they took care of business uh, against San Francisco um, on the road. Uh, so you know now you got now you got the, really their second biggest game of the year after NC State so far. Um, and yeah, I, I I would I would love if I could know more about Gonzaga, but I. I, I I don't, um, but uh, we don't you know. spend our time with Gonzaga the way we spend our time learning about Oregon State. Yeah, come on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, obviously, a uh, big, big game. Um, yeah, uh, it's uh, you know if they go out and get that win, they'll be sitting pretty headed into conference play, or even. Honestly, a close uh, keep it close. Uh, you probably get a nice bump from that as well. But you know, just go out and win because beating Gonzaga is always good, folks. Um, go for it. Uh, it's you know, obviously there. You know, Bill Moose would love. You know, Bill Moose would love to see what has happened at Gonzaga. The whole rising tides lifts all boats because that's exactly what yeah. has happened at, at Gonzaga with men's basketball. Um, you know, now their baseball team and their their uh, uh, you know women's basketball team they're, they're having success. Um, so yeah, go out there. Uh, you know, tough game obviously, but you know they have Charlie Sledger Walker. So if she. Yes. If she goes off, we have, they have a chance. We have Charlize and they don't. Yep. So, uh, yeah, big big game. Um, you know, overall, they've they've kind of done exactly what they're supposed to do so far in the in the schedule. They're six and one. We expected them to lose to North Carolina State. We hoped yep. they would beat Miami, and they did that. Um, we wanted them to beat USF and UC Davis. They did those uh, uh, pretty easily. Um, now it just comes down to, you know, you got your one of your biggest non-conference games, and then you're, and then a few more games, and you're getting into to Pac-12 play where there's a lot of tough games. Um, you know, they yeah. got Stanford that very first weekend, and then Arizona right after that. So a lot of tough games uh, once that starts. But yeah, go beat Gonzaga. That would be sweet. You know, that like, uh, would be that, great. that is. You know, that'll be. Tonight it'll be at the same time as uh, when the the men play Weber State. Um, so you know, get get your double screens. I have no idea how you watch Gonzaga women's basketball. Um, you know, if there's like a WCC uh, vision or something, um, they are also in the in the polls ranked number five. Or, uh, no, it's men's basketball. I, I don't know what they they are ranked in the polls, but they are ranked pretty highly on our in uh, net. So that's all. That's all that really matters. Um, yeah. Oh man, just go for forty, Charlie's. You're you're you're, you're ready. Just go for forty in the kennel. Come on. Yep, that would be great. I think we'd be okay with that. Also, hey, look, WSU and Gonzaga still play each other in basketball. Yeah. It weird, weird. So uh, um, obviously, uh, 
I think most people listen to this podcast would already know about this, but um, if you don't, uh, women's volleyball, I don't know why I say women, we only have a women's volleyball team, and the yeah, volleyball we, team, yeah. uh, you know, they uh, unfortunately had their season end against a seeded team uh, in Baylor in three sets. Uh, they came very close to winning the first set, but weren't able to close it out, and then it was all Baylor from there so that was a real bummer but yeah you're talking about like one of the top five teams in the country playing in their home court uh but overall you know what's funny with 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 volleyball it's their sixth straight year in the tournament uh they've made it pretty of a habit a pretty um a pretty uh regular habit of, of winning at least one game um same as soccer where you know we just kind of expect them to get to at least the second round so yep you know, pro- we probably should celebrate it a little more because there's there's so many I know. so many uh, uh, programs at WSU who would love this level of sustained success on a national on a yeah. national stage um, to get to the second round of the NCAA tournament again, um, make a sixth tournament again, and then most you know they lose uh, one player going into next year. Um, so they, they return a lot of talent and they, they probably, they, maybe they get Juliana Dalton back too. So, um, you know, it'd be, uh, I expect them to be right there again next year and, and, you know, hopefully pushing farther than they've gone in these previous years. But so far this, this class that came in, uh, three years ago has been very successful and they've, they've sustained, uh, a pretty good run that volleyball has yeah. had and man, wouldn't it be great? You know, like if the basketball teams or, you know, some other programs just had stretches like this, uh, you know, that the way volleyball and soccer have had, but we've kind of come to expect it. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, credit to Jen Greeny building the program and, and credit to the players who have chose to come to WSU, the, the higher and higher level of players that continue to, to show up and play for the Cougs because, yep. um, yeah, and, and honestly, they're doing it with some kind of subpar facilities and, and, and they're still getting results. So, uh, you know, uh, go volleyball, go Cougs. Yeah. Jen Greeny's remarkable. Uh, deserves all the credit in the world for building what she's built, man. It's, it's very, very cool. And, um, again, let's get a, you know, let's she, get a, she, let's get a bowler remodel for her. Yeah. Yeah. Although, um, you know, they are one of the few programs that actually has a volleyball specific gym already, which is cool. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's awesome. And you're right. I think it doesn't get enough recognition, um, you know, for, for the accomplishment for making NCAA tournament appearances routine. Um, that is, you know, in any program at WSU, that's a pretty awesome accomplishment, especially when you see, you know, how hard it's been to get into the tournament for, uh, you know, the basketball teams or the baseball team at this point, like, you know, it's, uh, it's not the easiest thing in the world. And so what, what volleyball and soccer, um, are both doing is, is awesome. And, uh, yeah, it's very exciting. And, um, you know, as you mentioned, they're, they're still very young. So, you know, we, I think we have a right to expect, you know, even bigger things next year, um, which should be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, check that out. You know, big season coming up for them. Um, you know, just run through. There was uh, some uh, football awards handed out today. Jaden Delora, which is kind of funny. To, you know, 
but he won freshman offensive player excuse me offensive player of the year um yeah so cool i could you sometimes kind of forget he was still technically yep. a freshman um yep. and then uh he but he did not make uh the first or second team uh cam rising and and uh dtr uh yeah. ucla which is were, ridiculous yeah i i i don't know how many years a player can I mean, WSU has done it many times, uh, lead the conference in yards and TDs and, um, maybe go seven and three in his starts and six and one in the games where he plays most of the game. So, um, yeah. it, it's, uh, it's kind of nuts, but, you know, I, you know, plays a wazoo. What are you going to do? Um, yeah. So I, I think it, it's kind of funny that he wins. He, he ends up honorable mention. So obviously someone voted for him on one of the teams. Um, but, uh, someone voted him as, as an all Pac-12 player. So cheers to you, whoever did that. Um, but you know, it, it, it's funny how you would hear like commentators week in and week out down the stretch be like, you know, he's probably the best quarterback in the conference. He's probably the best quarterback in the conference. Well, well, obviously he didn't get the award for it, even though he, had the best looking stats even i don't know um yep. so he got honorable mention uh ron stone got first team that's great abe lucas of course got first team um ron stone what a rise he had this season uh to get there um second teamers oh 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 surprise uh dean janikowski first team yeah place kicker <laughs> wow Wow, I, that's all of that apple cut, man, because he barely kicked any field goals the rest yeah. of the season. But, oh, you know, man. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not familiar enough with everybody else's kickers to know, like, maybe the rest of them were just not very good. I, mean, I don't know. I think his high was like a 43-yarder or something. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, teams just aren't kicking field goals as much. They, you know, it's they, it's not something that happens as often. So if you, if you go four and five or whatever in a game and – and it's the last game of the year and I, you know, you only miss a couple, you know, only miss a couple all year. Hey, that's awesome. He wasn't even supposed to be the kicker at the start of the year. Yep. So good for him, man. I, I love it. You know, um, second team, both the, uh, our inside receivers, Jackson and, uh, Charles Harris. I, I got to think like one of those guys should have been a first teamer, but whatever. Yeah. Man. That was some bullshit. Calvin uh, Jackson. Definitely Calvin Jackson that. for sure. Yeah. Um, there was, who else was on the second team? Uh, shoot. Uh, was Brent, Brent Jackson was honorable mention. You know, I could, you know, there's, there's like websites I could look this information up on and, and maybe, maybe I'll do that right now, you know, but I, I, I just mostly wanted to rant about Jaden. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, cause I just no, like, he I, deserved, he deserved to be probably, I mean, I understand the cam rising thing. Like I get that, but he was also second team, um, man. He wasn't. Yeah. But was second team, team, but second team, like, come on. Like, uh, I mean, DTR perhaps a good numbers, obviously, whatever. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's what it is, what it is. Second team. So second team was just Travel Harrison and, and Calvin Jackson. And then their honorable mentions are Jalen Watson. Okay. Just an honorable mention. Okay. Jahab Woods, Dijon Stribling. So Dijon Stribling got an all pack 12 vote from someone. Yeah. Which is I, okay. I guess. Also Lincoln Victor. Okay. Um, 
But then you see guys like, yes, Brennan Jackson, Armani Marsh, Jaden, Daniel Isom, Max Borgie, uh, Jihad Woods. Um, yeah, it's, so how this works is if you get a vote from someone, you get honorable mention. So, right. I mean, maybe you dub voted for Deshaun because I, cause I think it's the coaches because uh, he had a pretty good game against them. Lincoln Victor, um, wait, Oregon State, I want to say, had a pretty good game. Um, so, but he, you know, kind of didn't play very much in the down the stretch, or at least didn't produce very much. Um, so, you know, these are funny. You know, yeah, Max Borgie and Lincoln Victor are on the same level. That's that's how it works. Um, yeah, I'm not trying to shade Lincoln Victor. It's just just trying to illustrate how honorable mention works. So, you know, Borgie could yep. have had, been one vote off of being second team. And then he's honorable mention. And then someone else could have gotten one vote, and that makes them honorable mention. Yep. So, um, yep. yeah. Jalen Watson yep. maybe could come back next year. Who knows? Yep. He's not. He's not. He's already He's already heading out. He's uh, accepted an invitation to the Senior Bowl. So I know. Hey, you yep. never know. That doesn't mean you're done. Yeah. That'd be nice. That's all right. Yeah. So, um yeah, and hopefully we keep uh, everyone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, one thing we haven't discussed is they're going to the Sun Bowl, which we kind of... Oh, <laughs> yeah, I guess we could talk about that. <laughs> God. Yeah, we just go to so many bowl games. It's like... You know, I know. Doing? They've just become old hat at this point. So, yeah. So, they're playing Miami again. It's the same team they played in 2015. This is what's going to happen. Miami with a new coach. Miami just with a new like coach. 2015. So that's all, you know, the entire that's CBS all they're going to talk about for three hours. It's going to be about Mario Cristobal, and he's not even going to be on the sideline probably. Nope. He'll uh, probably call in though. Yeah, it's it's going to be annoying. It's going to be so Hopefully annoying. it's early enough in the day that there won't be a basketball game before it, and Ugh. like we miss part of the game. Yeah, because it starts 10 a.m. local time, 9 a.m., over here holy shit no way for real for real oh my gosh yeah get wow. out your mimosas and your bloodies yeah. man Bloody your Mary's. irish coffees oh your your you know, we're gonna have to your, do your I'm breakfast to, stouts to bloody marry it up yeah not Jeez. for me i just can't drink that much tomato juice um yeah it's a little but, uh, too much acid no, it's just I don't like tomato juice that much. Oh, so, that's, that uh, yeah. So drinking a drink that is basically just tomato juice and vodka or some spices, <laughs> it's, it's a lot. You know? um, but yeah, so yeah, Sun Bowl. I I do know some kids that are going. Um, good for them. Uh, I yes. saw I saw an arduous journey. Uh, if you left on the thirtieth and returned on the second. I saw you could get a, a flight on, I think it was like Spirit or Frontier for 375 round trip. Pretty good, but also, uh, included on the way there a, uh, 12 hour layover in Denver, um, which made the journey in total like 19 hours or something like that yeah. to get there. Uh, so, you know, if you want to go for two days and have, uh, uh, two days of traveling as well. So that's, that's fun. But yeah, it's, it's pretty, Outside of that, like pretty cost prohibitive to get there. Um, there's definitely Cougs, you know, flying into Phoenix, flying into Tucson, flying into uh, Albuquerque, whatever, and driving. Um, so all of you people that do that, 
way to go. Good job. Dedication. Yeah. I am not I am not being facetious in any way. That's nope. awesome. Uh it I'm not gonna awesome. I'm not gonna do it this year. Um I think Amanda would uh uh she she asked me, Are you gonna go? And I was like, No, and she's like, Good. <laughs> <'Cause>, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Man, yeah. you got a wedding. Yeah, you we got, got a wedding. Got I also wedding. have got a wedding to travel to in North Carolina in February, a wedding to travel in the Florida Keys in April. I got my own oh my wedding. Goodness. In uh in uh June in Mexico. Jeez. So so you know, I got we got we got some we got some uh yeah, we just booked a flight to the to the North Carolina one. Um so yeah, it's a it's a it's a lot of stuff, you know. So maybe I shouldn't go to El Paso on New Year's Eve, whatever. Um but Yeah. Tell y'all, um, Rochelle, I know you're going, uh, with your dad. So have fun and, and, uh, you know, uh, drink, you know, drink all of the, all of the, uh, whatever the hell they drink down there. I don't know. Tequila. I mean, it's right by Mexico. Um, yeah. uh, you know, and, and play all the emo at the bars you, you can possibly play. Um, but yeah, and do all the wandering you can wander all you can in El Paso, Rochelle. Um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, so I don't know, like this is what you get when you have these like year after year, the same, uh, yes. kind of, uh, bowl uh, yep. agreements. Well, there's, you're, yeah, there's only so many options, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you're, 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 it's pretty tough to, to end up in, you know, distinctly different locations. And then, and then um, distinctly different, even you know, when you're playing the same conference over and over again, you're going to get the same teams that go. Yep. Well, and what's funny is like, so, you know, part of what the PAC 12 has working against it just sort of constantly is it's geographic setup, right? Like, so with these bowl games, um, you know, they, these are all, you know, geographically, uh, they're, they're, they're sort of the games that make geographic sense, right? You know, you've got games in California, you've got, um, you know, game in Texas, you've got, you know, a, a couple games in Texas, right? So, um, you know, these, these things all sort of make sense. You're, you know, you kind of go south and maybe a little bit east of, of where you're at. And, you know, so that's where we're going to play these games. But, you know, the reality is when you talk about like, well, you know, if they, if they played in games that were farther away, then, uh, you know, they, they might not go and travel might be prohibitive. And I'm thinking, well, fuck, it already costs you 1200 bucks to fucking fly to El Paso. Like, you know, it's, if we're thinking about like how much it actually costs to get there, like, uh, you know, I think, I think we all like, I think we could probably fly to Florida for half that. You know, like put us in Orlando or something like, you know, we could fly to Florida for half that cost and, and save the money and travel and go someplace warmer than El Paso. And I don't know, man, I, I hope that, you know, when the next round goes, I understand the Sun Bowl, um, you know, they, they've got a long tradition in history with the Pac-12 um, teams that go typically tend to enjoy the experience of being there because they are well taken care of. But um, you know, from obviously from a fan fan perspective, um, it's not the uh, it's not a not a preferred destination. So hopefully they can continue to reshape the bowls. They've done some of that with the Las Vegas Bowl, um, the the Los Angeles Bowl. Um, you know, so so hopefully they can kind of do the same with, uh, you know, with with the Sun Bowl. You know, I'd hate to get see the Sun Bowl get left out altogether, but also, 
you know, it's it's tough, man. I mean, there are a lot of people who would like to go to this game the and the you just can't. The Sun Bowl's great for Arizona, Arizona State. Sure. Like it's it's perfect for them. Like they could drive there. But yep. anyone else in the conference has to fly there and yeah. it I mean, El Paso's not really a major airport and like it's just it's hard to get to. And especially if you're flying the week after Christmas, like that's just makes it even more insane. Um, so it's, you know, I, I, I'd love to check it out. I'd love to maybe go over to Juarez or whatever, you know, too, and like check, check all of it out. But, uh, you know, I just can't make it down there and, um, uh, this year. Uh, but I will happily watch on my couch or maybe in a bar, I don't know, 9 a.m. on, a, on, on the, on the thirty first on New Year's Eve, start start. Maybe we should find a place to go watch. Yeah, let, go go watch in the morning and then see if you can make it to midnight. <laughs> <laughs> no, not without a nap. <laughs> yeah, we'll all watch the Sun Bowl in the morning, take a nap. I will say, yeah, like, go back to sleep. Uh, for as low attendance as I expect from WSU fans, I'm. I can't imagine. You'd expect even less for Miami. I can't imagine there are going to be very many Miami fans there. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's. Uh, and then, you know, who knows? It's hard to predict these games now because we don't know who's going to play. So, uh, already hearing that there's some uh, pretty big WSU names that aren't going to play. So, yep. uh, we'll we'll see. Uh, how that goes um but i'd love to you know finish the season on a win because that's fun that's fun stuff and for all my all my coog friends going down there making that long journey to el paso love to see them get a w out of it too uh but yeah um we knew this was gonna happen this was we broke it down already (laughs) like they were going to the sun bowl the whole time uh, I was a bit surprised that the Las Vegas Bowl chose Arizona State over UCLA. To be honest, um, that was a that was a surprise. I thought it was going to be UCLA and then Arizona State in the Holiday Bowl, and us in the Sun Bowl. But apparently, Arizona State, you know, sold themselves pretty well to the Las Vegas. Bowl. Yeah, the only other thing I saw was that um, UCLA had been to Vegas twice in the last however many months, not in football but in basketball. And maybe oh, yeah. that was a reason why I, I did see that. Too, I don't right? know how much I buy that, but, but that's, I guess, I don't know. I don't know. I, still, I was with it's you. still like not that far away. <laughs> no, it's a, nope. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. W, UCLA's also played in Los Angeles many times. <laughs> yes. Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah. So yeah. Um, a lot of football news for, a non-football game week. Uh, and yeah, let's go get some W's in basketball, both, both sides this, uh, this week. Um, and, uh, go Cougs. Or I guess I get, let me say what we, we should say is, uh, Hey, follow me on Twitter. I at the Craig powers, follow me on Instagram at Craig W powers, follow Jeff on Twitter at pod versus everyone. If you have any questions or comments, you can send us an email at podcast versus everyone at gmail.com. Um, we're going to get a Patreon set up. So if you want to give us money, we are going to give yeah. you the opportunity to do that soon. And, and if you made it this far, you're probably the kind of person that we are actually thinking might, might give us maybe real dollars give us for things like money this. for like bonus yeah. content and 
and yep. like maybe some cool rewards. Yep. I don't know. We got some big ideas, man. We got some big ideas. We had a we had a whole uh, uh, drive back from Pullman on on Sunday to to think <laughs> about know. it, and we literally did. Uh, we got, we got spent a, got probably notepad. three of the hours talking about ideas and thinking about what we might do and causing my wife to have a panic attack in the back seat. Is this is, how much yeah. more time is this going to take? Yeah, how much more time? <laughs> so yeah, if you actually have any ideas for like, if you have any like, hey, if you guys are going to do this, this is what I'd like to see. Send yeah. us an idea. You know, no yeah. guarantee that we'll do it, but I'd love no. to see it. I, but ideas got, are good. We've got some ideas too. We've got some ideas. We'll probably just go with ours, but maybe you have a really good one. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Or it'll just affirm our, our existing which, ideas. Which and... is mostly what has happened when I asked on Twitter is like people yeah. just kind of affirm the stuff that we already thought. So yeah. we're all on the same page here. Um, yep. Yeah. So uh, look, look forward to giving us money. We, w- we would love your money. Uh, yes. Mostly so, you know, we, we hope to we do some cool things with that money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, I guess that's it. That's all. And all that's left is to say go kooks. Go kooks, Craig. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Get vaccinated, y'all. Yeah, get your booster. <laughs> <laughs>